0: Welcome to the Sunday Message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning at 1030 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now we continue our study, The Gospel According to John. We're in John chapter 16 as Pastor Joel Woodard brings his message, Hope in the Night.
1: We are in a series. If you're just joining us, it's okay. You'll you'll fully get it. But we've been in a series in the in the Gospel according to John all this fall. And we're getting towards the the last couple of, couple of chapters, and so we've been building for a long time. Uh, to, to this message uh, this week and the next uh, several weeks before Christmas. Um, so I'd like to begin the sermon this morning by, by reading from John 16. If you wouldn't mind uh, standing for the reading of God's Word, I'm just going to read the first four verses. John 16 uh, and verse 1. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you Will think he is offering service to God, and they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. We'll stop right there. Uh, life is going to be difficult, but Jesus is going to give this hope to take heart, to have courage in those difficulties because He has overcome the world. Let, let's pray. Lord, as we uh, come here today, I, I know just the number of, of people just in life and they're dealing with uh, just difficult things. Lord, we, we walk through all these seasons of life wondering, uh, Lord, I just need to get through um, this or why did this this happen? And I, I prayed this morning as we walk through this message that we would find ourselves uh, in the disciples' place that we would hear you speaking to each one of us this morning that we would have hope when the difficulties come when things seem dark and confusing and frustrating and that we would have hope in the days that lies ahead because of you uh, and your victory and so Lord I pray that you would open our eyes this morning that we could see what you'd have for us open our ears we could listen and hear and soften our hearts that we'll understand in Jesus name we pray amen we go ahead and have a seat um I remember where I was on November 17th, 1989, November 17th, 1989, it was a Friday and we were living just outside of Dayton, Ohio. Uh, My dad was on the radio station uh, there for a long time, We also had multiple other jobs. We owned Pisanello's Pizza, which was a a chain of pizza, um, but we just had one of the chains of pizzas. And we, we were there all the time. So if you've ever owned a business, you know that saying is a little bit true. When you own a business, there's a little bit of that business that owns you. Uh, and so as an eighth grader, uh, we often spent nights and hours at Pisanello's pizza shop. But there's this one night that I, re- I remember very very well, November 17th, 1989. Because up on the walls in the, like the dining area of this pizza shop, we had two box televisions, remember the old box televisions, mounted in the corners of uh, this dining room, and I remember sitting there watching something going on uh, in the news that night. It, it was a bunch of young people uh, in a place called Czechoslovakia. It was in, they were gathering in a, a square called Wenceslas Square. Uh, they had begun a, a, a peaceful protest with these candles to protest the, the Nazis. Uh, from long ago, which was fine in communist Czechoslovakia at that time. But as they were parading through the streets, they gained more and more people, and the protest began to be against communism. Well, the people that that came out and were part of that parade as well, they didn't have candles because they didn't begin with them, but they had their, their keys. And so as hundreds of thousands of students filled Wenceslas Square in, in, the, in Czechoslovakia. They, they got their keys out and they would ring their, their keys, all in, in protest. Uh, the keys became this, this symbol, this, this hope, that one day a new door would be open to them, that communism would fall and that there would be a new day that was coming. So they would ring, ring their keys. Hundreds of thousands of people on Wenceslas Square ringing their keys. Well, in just a little while, the riot police would come out. And they were showing clips of this on the television in the pizza shop that night. As the riot police came and pushed into the crowd and began uh, to beat people, um, well, through the night... Uh, The people were there, ringing the keys and being beaten. And can you imagine what it must have been like to be in that square that night, uh, standing next to your friend or or your classmate, ringing the keys and being beaten? Uh, It's cold. It's November. In Czechoslovakia, it was really cold. Everything was stones and cobblestones on the street. And you're out there with hundreds of thousands of people, uh, cheering and chanting and yelling and wanting freedom. And then people being hurt and beaten and confused. But there was this determination in them, this confidence in them to, to stand. If, imagine if you were there in that square that night and your friend was next to you and they were hurting and they were cold. What would you do to give them hope to endure the night? Just hang on a little bit longer. Come on, we can do it. You'd hear the keys and go, just a little, it's worth it. We have to do this. We need a change. We need something new if you just hold on. Well, in a little while, the the sun came up, and they actually found out there was about 600 of those students that had gotten severely injured uh, in the beatings. There was the blood of all those Czech students all over the cobblestone of that square. But in a little while, the square filled up again with more students and more people, hundreds of thousands of people, over a million people at one time in the square, protesting against communism. In a little while, they did it again. In a little while, they did it again. And In a little while, they actually won their, their freedom. Uh, communism had fallen and Czechoslovakia became free and then became the, the Czech Republic. And after that victory, uh, the keys, ringing uh, up high, became the symbol of hope for an entire nation, The, the symbol that gave them hope to endure the darkness of night. Now, in the same way that those keys were a symbol of hope for those students to endure the night, today we're going to see that Jesus is going to point to his death and resurrection as this hope that he's going to give the disciples that when they go through the darkness of night to hang on He's going to give them power in these in these keys to go hang on in the darkness of night, because God is going to make a way. It would help them to endure the night. And, and maybe you're maybe you're here today, and you've come in, and you're thinking, "Yeah, I'm just barely hanging on," and, and you need to hear this message. Uh, you, you need the hope, the the encouragement that you can you can get through it, and there's a way that God has made uh, a way. Uh, Maybe, maybe you're here and, you're, and you've just been struggling, you've, you've trained up your child in the way he should go, and that child is far from home. You need hope. Maybe you're dealing with a friend or even a relative that you're, you're trying so hard to win over, but every time you say something, they just give these biting words back, and you just feel like there's no hope. Well, maybe you're not living your best life now and you need hope to endure the night. So how do you endure the night? Well, that's going to bring us back to our text today. As Jesus, he's entering the hour of his death, this hour that we've been waiting for uh, all the way up till now. His, his death is, is coming, and he wants to prepare the disciples. He wants to give them hope in the difficult days and hours that are going to be coming. He wants to give them hope to endure the night. So as we work through our text today, we're going to see three keys... Uh, to ring, that give this power to endure the night. Jesus is going to give the disciples three, you can think of it, three keys that he's going to ring. Come on, you can endure the night. Just hang on. Here's the first one. The power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles, you can open to John 16. We'll start in verse 4 and the second, second half of verse 4. Power of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 4. And judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of the world is judged I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak of his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. We'll stop right right there. Jesus is preparing his disciples for the dark Uh, of of night he's telling them all these things are going to happen this isn't going to be an easy journey uh, through this people are going to beat you and try and kill you you're going to be ostracized pushed out the world's going to hate you and as they're hearing all these things you can see this is their hearts begin to like boil over with the sorrow and pain And their eyes, they they fall down on their circumstances. They're, They're feeling what it's like to live in a broken and painful world. This is a tough place. So Jesus wants to encourage them. He wants to get their eyes up. And he's telling them, and all these things that I've told you, you're actually not even asking the right question. The question you should be asking during all of this but your emotions are like shoving it down and distracting you, you should be asking the question, what's Jesus up to? Where is, what is God doing? Where is Jesus going? What's his plan? But they're so grieved that they can't even get to ask that question. Have you, have you ever been there? Where it just feels like the darkness of night, the confusion, the heaviness, and you're just like, I don't even know what. To do I don't even know where to go or even the questions to ask. I don't even know the next step ahead. I just feel so overwhelming and burdensome. Well, we'll see. Jesus is like, hang on, because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you power to, to navigate the truth, even in those emotions. That, that's going to be there right by Your side, He says, I'm going to send the helper along with you. The Greek word is parakletos, and it means uh, one that comes alongside. Someone who's going to walk beside you in the dark of night, who's going to be an advocate and a helper and a counselor, someone that's like right next to you that goes, I'm going to walk this through with you. I am right here. You lean on me when you need to. Let me guide you and direct you. He's going to send this advocate, this helper. Uh, It's the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit, I think can be uh, confusing sometimes because we we don't really know what he's doing and, and where he's and where he's at. So let me just simplify it from the text for you. This is what John 16 says about the role of the Spirit and, and where his power comes from. Uh, and to simplify it in just this one line the power of the Holy Spirit is in the finished work of Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit is in the finished work finished work of Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he sees everything through the perspective of Jesus' death and resurrection. Everything. When he looks at the world, he sees it through this perspective, this grid of Jesus' death and resurrection, and what that has done to our world. And and then he takes it, and and personally, he applies it to our lives. He challenges us and convicts us and, and purifies us and sanctifies us along the way in relation to Jesus' death and resurrection on that, on that day. You, so when we're, when we're always in the dark of night, you always know there's hope, there's redemption, there's everything because Jesus' is death and resurrection has conquered everything and the Spirit has come to apply that to our lives. So then you may ask, well, how do I know if the Spirit is at work in, in my life and in this church? Well, the answer to that is if you know the Spirit is at work is when Jesus is glorified. When Jesus is front and center, you know the Spirit is alive and at work. Because the Spirit, he looks a lot like Jesus. He says the things Jesus says. He points to Jesus all the time. The Holy Spirit actually loves Sunday school. He loves the Sunday school answer. And the Sunday school answer is? Jesus. That's right. That's, that's the Holy Spirit is like giving Sunday school answers all the time. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Is there hope in this relationship? Because of Jesus there is. Is there hope in my situation? Because of Jesus, there is. This health situation I'm dealing with, is there there any hope in that? And the Spirit says, Jesus, look to Jesus. Jesus even says, it's better that I go away. It's better for you if I go away. Now, he's not saying like, uh, I'm just gonna leave you all on your own because he promises over and over, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But when he's talking about going away, he's actually talking about uh, in the next couple hours, he's going to be led away to his, his death on the cross. When he goes away, he's, he's going to be a substitute for each one of us. Uh, when he goes away, he's actually going to come back. Uh, so this going away is actually talking about the completed work of, of Jesus in his death and resurrection. He says, I have a lot of things I want to tell you. But you, you can't bear them yet. But, but once the work is completed, then the Spirit's going to come, and He's going to put the whole thing together and show you the power of Jesus and His completed work, His completed work. So I need to go away so that I can complete and finish this mission so the Spirit can come, and then that the power of the Spirit is in the completed work of Jesus to apply that to your life. Spirit comes and points to Jesus. Uh, It gives us a little bit more. It says the, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he's going to convict the world of three things. Did you see those? It's going to convict the world of three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he goes on to explain each of those. He says, I'm going to convict the world of sin because they don't believe who Jesus said he was going to be. So when he defines sin for them, it's an unbelief. He He's talking this general, like, because you don't believe that Jesus is who he said he was in his completed work on the death and the cross and his resurrection, that righteousness is fulfilled, that your forgiveness is at hand, that the perfect holiness of God is seen in Jesus. Because you don't believe in that, he's going to convict the world of sin and say, because of your unbelief in who Jesus is. He says, I'm going to convict the world because of righteousness, and, and in righteousness, he, he, Jesus even talks about, because I am, I'm going away to the Father. I've completed the work. Righteousness is fulfilled. And so I'm going to the Father, and you won't see me anymore, which basically means the work is done. Righteousness is completely fulfilled in Jesus. His righteous life, his death on the cross, his resurrection, it's done. The work is finished. And so righteousness is completely in who Jesus is. It's over. And then finally he says, I'm going to convict the world because of judgment. Because of the ruler of the world, these adversaries against who Jesus is, uh, he's going to to judge once and for all. The game is over. Like we look at this world and we're like, oh, what's the score going to be? And Jesus is like, the game's over. The scoreboard is already up there. And so as Jesus comes to the adversaries and the rebellion that's in this world. He just says, scoreboard, right? Jesus won, it's over, it's judged. The game is over. Well, the Holy Spirit then, he, he sounds a lot like Jesus. In fact, he's pointing to Jesus' finished work all the time. And as he dwells in us, Those of you who said, yes, I've given my life to Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. I've repented. I've handed my life over to Jesus. The Spirit comes, and as the Spirit comes in us, he points to the finished work of Jesus, and the things that he says to us are, are just what Jesus would say. And he convicts us and moves us along so that we look even more and more like Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit is in the finished work of Jesus, and this gives us power to endure through the night. So whatever you're, you're facing, God is going to use and work in your life to make you look more and more like the image of his son, the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the second one, the second power. The second power is the power of an eternal perspective. The power of an eternal perspective. It, it'll give you hope to endure Through the night. It's more than the circumstances that are right here and now, the season that you're walking through. It's actually going to get your eyes up to see this eternal perspective of what's on the other side of these difficulties. Look in verse 16. You'll you'll hear a theme running through this. Uh, Verse 16 A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of the disciples said to one another, What is this? What is this that he says to us, a little while, and you will not see me? And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, A little while, and you will not see me? And again, a little while and And you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You'll be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Then he goes on and gives an illustration. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. For joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now. But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Once again, let's pause right there and make a few uh, comments. He says, in a little while, and then in a little while. And they're like, what do you mean by a little while and then in a little while? Like, what what are you talking about in a little while? And if you know the context of where John 16 is at, in a little while, in just a short period of time, uh, we're going to hear about it in two weeks, all these soldiers are going to come and then they're going to take Jesus. They're going to wrongly imprison him. They're going to beat him. They're going to crucify him. They're going to take their Lord and Messiah away. And then finally. For several nights, the disciples are like, now what? And the world says, yes, we won. We got rid of the person that, that we don't like, that we don't like how he convicts us or what he makes us feel about ourselves. We, we, we think we're in a better place, and they're rejoicing. But then on Sunday morning, he resurrects. And, and do, you, do you remember the disciple who runs to the tomb? And then they come back to him, and Jesus preaches, The gospel, the first Sunday message, and their hearts are like full over. Those people on Emmaus Road, didn't our hearts burn within us? We were like this something inside of us that gives us this deep joy. In a little while, and in a little while, Jesus is using those as really the two main transition points in the story of his death and his resurrection. In a little while, he'll be taken away. In a little while, he'll come back to life. In a little while, then refers to his death and resurrection. And as he talks to his disciples, he's going to he's going to say, "Hey, you're going to endure this season and then this season, but there's a season that's coming that I want to get your eyes up to. That's eternal. That's going to last n- n- no matter what. That you're in the dark of night, but the sun is going to rise." And then he gives this illustration. Now, I've never been pregnant before, so I have to I have to have some uh, I have to. Tiptoe a little bit here on these things, but I have lived with somebody who is pregnant and these are just some observations that I have uh, about pregnancy that you uh, You can do what you will with Uh, uh, Yeah, so not so I'm gonna that's what I said just give me grace So I do know there's about nine months of pregnancy. That's a long time and when you're at the beginning, uh, there is some joy. Hey, I'm pregnant. This is so awesome. A new life is coming. And then it's not long after, then all of a sudden, like, stomach sickness, and you're not feeling good. And then it, like, kind of, like, dwarfs every day into, like, just a little bit more, a little bit more, until finally, like, it's just painful. And this is what I've heard and seen. It's, 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 it's painful to walk. Amen? I need a women or like, You need to help me out here. Uh, it's painful to sleep. You're just uncomfortable. Uh, To the point where this is just observed, to the point where you're like, do I want to go out of the house because I have to tie my shoes? Is someone here in the house that can tie my shoes? Right? So I'm kind of, I'm a little bit there with you. This is what he's he's comparing it to. But nine months will come to an end. I've never seen a woman who is 20 months pregnant. There is a season for it, and the season will come to an end. That pain that's growing, inside and in your body it's moving you ever closer uh, to new life a little while longer and that pain that's been growing will finally subside and you'll get some semblance of your your, the pain removed from you It, it will come to an end there will be a new life the new season that's to come well, we've had four kids, uh, and two of them were born in Slovenia. So Abigail and Elijah were both born in Slovenia. When we were over there, that's a whole different experience giving birth in uh, another country, so like like Eastern European country. Uh, my hat's off to my wife, who endured all those. It was amazing. <laughs> there it was. But I will say, when we first started having our kids over there, uh, epidurals were first being introduced. And so they came to our room and were like, hey, we're starting these things. Can you want us to start on you? Like, And Amy said, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't want you poking my spinal cord for the first time. Uh, and so she had both of our kids, Abigail and Elijah, without an epidural in uh, Slovenia. Hats off uh, for that. She didn't have any pain medication uh, in that, but I will say neither did I. Uh, <laughs> because... Her pain medication for Elijah was holding my hand. And you'll remember this. Uh, she would hold my hand. So down each of the contractions, she would take, and she would dig into it with her nails. And each contraction, I felt. <laughs> but I couldn't, like, I couldn't say anything, right? Because she's, I can't be like, ah, oh, that hurts. Like, <laughs> am I right? So I just, I just endure. I just endured uh, the pain through each contraction going, oh, yep, this really is really hurting. But you know what is interesting? And, and maybe you might disagree. The moment Elijah was born, uh, it, Amy was like, it, it was like a whole new, like it, is, it was over. Now there was still pain. There was still some things she had to go through. But that intense pain of giving birth was just over. And there was this like peace about her. But not me, because my my hands still, my hands still, I showed her afterwards, a couple hours afterwards. See that? (laughs) Ow, ow. (laughs) Jesus compares the darkness of the night, the struggles, the frustrations, the heartaches, the pains, to the pain of, of birth. The struggles and the pain that you're enduring right now, it's going to come to an end. As we inch our way forward to new life in Christ. Paul picks up this image in 2 Corinthians 4. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.17 says this: For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, they're transient, they're changing, they're moving all the time, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So as we walk through the darkness of night, if we're looking at our situation and our circumstances, the pain, the struggles, we're going to get lost and confused, and he wants you to lift your head up because there's something eternal going on there. This darkness and pain, it's moving, but it's also it's producing something in us. Both Paul and Jesus and the Holy Spirit will say, this is not your best life now. And if you think that's what you're trying to grab, you're going to miss it. This is not your best life. Your best life is still to come. Those dashed dreams, the broken marriage, the health situation, all the frustrations that you have in this life, it's all, if you're fixing your eyes on the eternal, it's all working in you, something that God is going to use for eternity, this richness that's there. But you have to get your, your eyes up to see with an eternal perspective. We, we know it every day. We know this truth every day because we go to bed at night and it's dark. And every day we know the sun is going to rise, right? We, ex- we expect it. We know the season of darkness is going to end and the sun will rise again. This pregnancy will come to an end, right, Allie? Not much longer now. And at the end, there's this hope of new life that transforms and changes everything that we've been walking through. In a little while, the pain in the night will bring eternal delight. In in a little while, the struggles that you're going through, God's going to redeem that eternal perspective can, can give you hope to endure whatever it is you're walking through right now. Here, here's the last one. Number three. The last key to endure the night is the power of Christ's victory. The power of Christ's victory. Verse 25. John 16, 25 says this. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name. And I I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciple says, ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that You know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answers like this. uh, Do you now believe? Uh, Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have peace tribulation but take heart i have overcome the world jesus comes to his disciples and goes look there's going to come a day and i think he's talking about the when he's when the, the work is done when he has been our substitute our atonement on the cross and he is offered this forgiveness and free of guilt and resurrected and there's new life there's coming a day you're going to pull it all together and you'll get it and the holy spirit will lead you into this and i won't have to i want to talking in figures of of speech and you'll you'll get it on that day and the disciples are like, "Oh, now we get it." And he's like, "Yeah, you you, you get you get a little bit of it, but you don't get the whole thing. Just 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 hang in there. You're you're going to scatter away in just a little bit." But he says, "I'm telling you this. Uh, I'm even telling you that I, you're going to get it after the his death and resurrection. I'm telling you this in, in advance so that you'll have Peace, that you will know that the victory does not depend on you being able to make it through the night. The victory is not in your strength or your ability. The victory is in the completed work of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection. And when that time comes, you'll get it. You'll understand there is victory in Jesus, that Jesus will come and bring you home. He tells the disciples, don't be surprised. There's going to be difficulties. He's it, it, telling him that. You will experience troubles and difficulties and frustrations and heartaches and pain. You're going to experience all this. But the darkness in the night, it will come to an end because Jesus has risen again. He has overcome the world. And that's, that's victory for all of us. That's good news. Uh, now I'm going to bring you down south, Okay. Because uh, as I was preparing this message, there were, there were two things that kept flooding my head over and over again. Uh, one of them was uh, the line, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. I mean, you might even get that if you're in the north. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. You know, that, that, that there's several sermons that come from this as well. Let me read you uh, a part of one of them. This is from a pastor, Lockridge. This, these are, this is his sermon, so I'm plagiarizing for, for a few moments. He said, "It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter's asleeping. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The earth trembles. The sky grow dark. My King yields his spirit. It's Friday. The disciples are running." Like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying, Peter's denying, but they don't know that Sunday's a coming. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won, sin has conquered. And Satan, Satan's just a laughing. It's Friday. Jesus is buried, a soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It's only Friday. And Sundays are coming. You can feel it when you're in the darkness and discouragement and disappointment. Uh, through this whole week, I've been singing a song that we haven't actually sung here ever before, but we actually sang it every week uh, at Victory Baptist Church in North Augusta, South Carolina. And you know what song that might be? Does anyone? Victory in Jesus. How many of you know that song, Victory in Jesus? We sang that Victory Baptist Church every Sunday. That's what we would come into often, and sometimes we'd come out of it. If you don't know it, if you're young, do any of you young people know it, Victory in Jesus? Look at you all. Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> Let me tell you the words to the song. It says, I heard an old, old story, how a savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groanings, of his precious blood's atoning, then I repented of my sins and won the victory. beneath the cleansing flood victory in Jesus amen so I I don't know what you're going through this morning but I know that that Jesus would speak to each one of you uh, and tell you there's hope to endure through the night in Jesus because of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to come alongside you and not just leave you where you're at, but to convict you and move you along uh, in the way. There's power of this eternal perspective. What we're experiencing, this light, momentary uh, troubles and trials, in eternity are nothing. So hang on. Hang on. Hang on because there is victory in Jesus on the other side of this world. There's lots of hope there, right? Amen. Let me, let me pray and invite the worship team to come back up. Lord, we love you. We thank you that uh, our salvation is not dependent on us. That even if we confess your name and then we turn and do uh, wicked things and rebel against you, Lord, because of the cross of Christ and the resurrection, there is ultimate redemption and sanctification and glorification in who you are and what you have done. That the work is finished that we don't have to uh, just even pull our hair out about elections and, and policies and everything of this world, that we know, because of an eternal perspective, that you have overcome the world, that there will be a day that you bring your righteousness and judgment uh, to bear on this world. So, Lord, we pray that we would, be, um, we would be repentant of our sins, that we would come to you, that we would receive that salvation. And, Lord, I pray that if somebody doesn't know you this morning, uh, Lord, that they would they would come up to the front during the worship, and that they would even this is a whole southern thing they would come and pray with somebody up front that they would they would know uh, you as their savior, and they would see forgiveness, and that they would have hope to endure the night. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at ten thirty. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.